KaiFM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Good morning, all, and welcome to another Thursday edition of Tech Talk right here on KaiFM, where we're going to go into all the latest news, views, gadgets, and gizmos. The sad thing is that this is nearly, well, it's not nearly, it's summertime, and we've got the World Cup, we've got um, Wimbledon, we've got the Grand Prix. I mean, there are just so many sporting distractions right now that, quite honestly, not a lot of people have got time for tech. And here is the most important thing. How do you think you are watching all these amazing sporting events around the world? If it wasn't for technology, uh, none of it would be available. So there you have it. Even if you're a hardened sports fan and you think technology is for the kids or for someone else, guess what? If it wasn't for all the latest technology systems, we would not be watching the World Cup and Dear England getting a hiding yesterday by that company. Well, here's an interesting thing. Guess what the biggest search uh, term last night uh, on Google was where is Croatia? <laughs> Who would believe that all of a sudden people are trying to figure out where Croatia is as a country using Google because they didn't know? I mean, scary. But anyway, they're in the final. England are go. Oh well, they're not going home. They're playing the sort of losers game on the Saturday, and. Um, Technology is just amazing. Well, here's an interesting fact, and I tried. I really did try. I tried to figure out a way to stream all the World Cup games in 4K, Ultra HD. I mean, normal HD is not good enough for someone like me. We've got to do it. You've got to be the you know the highest uh, resolution streamer in town. Well, I couldn't, unfortunately. They are doing it in England, around the world. There are a lot of people that are streaming 4K, certainly over the internet. Some of them, Sky, for example, are doing it over their latest new decoder. And already the picture quality is outstanding. And this is interesting. It is the first World Cup that has been broadcast entirely in 4K Ultra HDR um, Ultra Resolution. And I mean... When you see a picture, and I've not watched sport in 4K Ultra HD, I've only watched movies and documentaries, the picture quality is astonishing. Yes, you need a very good internet connection. Yes, you need a 4K HDR capable TV, all the latest LG OLEDs, all the latest Samsung um, Q series are, are capable, and there are a whole lot of others beside. In fact, there's some really good value TVs from... Uh, Hisense, who are the sponsors of TV at the World Cup. I'm sure you've seen their logo all over the show. But, and, and much more reasonable prices. But the simple fact is that in the next couple of years, all TV is going 4K. All TV is going high resolution or ultra high resolution. And here's another little useless fact that you can throw out at the dinner table. Do you know how much data a 4K movie uses per hour? running at full stream if you're downloading it from Netflix or wherever it is that you're doing? Well, here's the answer. It's 30 gigabytes of data per hour. So all you guys on your, your 10 gig cap or your, your 20 gig cap for the month, you can blow that in less than an hour watching 4K HDR video. So uncapped uh, or very, very high cap 
um, data packages are an absolute must if you're going to watch high-resolution TV. Anyway, I tried. But Sony, interestingly, were the people who arranged or did all the technology for all the broadcasts of the World Cup in 4K HDR. And I must say, as I say, right now on HD, on DSTV, the picture quality is remarkable. But the difference between HD and 4K, especially on a a reasonably sized TV, 65 inches and above, is astonishing. You can see absolutely every detail, every blade of grass, every drop of sweat, absolutely every motion of the ball in 4K. I've seen demos. I've never seen it live. But it is without question, the next revolution in television. And it's coming. It's coming soon. And in fact, I predict in the next two to three years, all TVs will be 4K HDR. And here's an interesting fact as well. Our dear friends DSTV, not to be left out of the Ultra HD show, have announced this week that if you download their app, um, their Go app, the DSTV Go app, because streaming is becoming a thing, more and more people are streaming on demand, they're not watching linear TV anymore. In other words, they don't sit there and wait for the show to come on and then sort of pause during the adverts or watch during the adverts, rush off, make a cup of tea while you wait for the show to resume. They just watch the, sh- the show at their own demand. Um, DSTV have realized that they've got a serious competitor with Netflix and all the other guys out there, their own one, um, Showmax, their own competitor to Netflix is out there. But now through the DSTV Go app, you actually can um, stream. Well, not yet, but they are working very strongly on 4K streaming. So if you've got a good enough internet connection and for 4K HDR, you need about 15 megabytes per second a clean streaming capacity. So a 20 meg line without too many other people on it will work fine, but that would be the absolute bare minimum to watch Ultra HD video. And they bring it to their service in the in the nearish, very nearish future. They haven't said exactly when, but it should arrive in their words in the coming months. And um, Showmax, which is part of the whole thing, are also looking at 4K, but that, they say, is going to come way down the road. Showmax, Interestingly, are big in Africa. They're big in Europe. Um, they do quite an interesting job. And if you're a DSTV premium subscriber, you should be getting Showmax for free. You just need to sign up on the website and then go to your new uh, Explorer decoder and uh, put in your username and password. And boom, you've got the whole of the Showmax catalog available to you without any set-top boxes, without any smart TVs. Though Showmax have got apps for most LG, Samsung, Hisense and other your sort of mainstream TVs out there. But I think it's very, very interesting to show that really the streaming-only ver- version of DSTV will go Ultra HD 4K. You don't need a satellite dish to receive it as long as you've got a decent Internet um, connection. And, again, it's getting – we've had this discussion on air – a 4 meg, 10 meg, 20 meg is not that cheap. But still, if you're talking about 700 to 800 rand for a high-end – uncapped package in the 20 meg range in today's rands that is not a huge amount of money we're talking about 50 us dollars globally and globally that's a very competitive price i'm not saying it's cheap i'm just saying it's competitive and we are not getting completely and utterly overcharged in south african rands for the type of service a fiber service for less than 50 dollars a month with uncapped data usage 
yeah, it's reasonable and certainly brings a whole host of possibilities like really high-definition sport. And I think sport is the one area where ultra-high-definition is an absolute must. I mean, when you're watching action, you're watching people move really fast. When you're watching tennis rackets, uh, watching Wimbledon and Ultra HD 4K must be unbelievable. You can see the ball move in the air without any blurring. When there's fast action, it's just incredible. So we are going to see a massive revolution. And if um, DSTV have the option, I mean, uh, apparently Wimbledon and the World Cup are available in 4K, well, you can stream it. And if you've got the internet, you can do it. And I think the picture quality will blow pretty much us all out of the water. And talking about uh, blown out of the water, this is not really, it's a bit of a slap on the wrist. I'm sure you all recall the Cambridge Analytica disaster where 80, 90, 100 million people were compromised. Their data was used specifically in the elections in the U.S. And Cambridge Analytica, the company that did that, went out of business completely. They've shut down globally. They went insolvent because of their their role in this. No one wanted to be associated with them. And uh, boom, they're gone. Apparently, the rumor is some of their smart young uh, talented tech guys, the guys who thought of all these algorithms, thought of all how to use all this amazing data, have moved on to finer things and may pop back up in the political spectrum in a little while. But that's a story for down the road. But the British um, regulator has fined Facebook in this matter all of £500,000. And the word is that that is being, uh, that is such a small amount of money that they make that in advertising in a couple of minutes. So it's a bit of a slap in the wrist, but it does show that across the world, regulators are starting to hold these massive companies like Facebook and Google accountable for the damage that they do. They can't simply say, oh, they didn't know, they tried, they other guys breached the rules. Anyway, on that note, we're going to have a quick break for our sponsors, and then I'll be back with some more interesting news and tech information. <laughs> Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 FM. Well, welcome back. And just when you thought it was safe to go back on the sidewalk, never mind the roads. I mean, the roads in Johannesburg are quite something interesting, as you all know. Aggression is the middle name, and everyone's trying to get through that robot or the traffic light at the very last instant. There's technology for that, but I don't see it coming to South Africa in the nearest future. But here's an interesting tidbit that crossed my desk this week, and it's that it's a company called Uber. Now, Uber have, I'm sure you, unless you live under a rock, everyone's heard of Uber. Uber completely and utterly changed the taxi industry globally. Um, multiple competitors have popped up over the last couple of years. Um, the the industry has absolutely changed, I think, mostly for the better. There's nothing cooler than being able to pull out your phone, find out, you know, simply tap on an app, and a car arrives to pick you up and take you wherever you want to go at a reasonable price. I mean, no fuss, no mess, no money, no payment. You know who it is. You've got the guy's information. You've got the car's information. They track you. People can – you can share your ride. You can track it. I mean, it just completely and utterly changes it. Theoretically, no more getting gouged by broken meters or taxi drivers taking routes that take you round and round and round the block and add 30% to the trip. It's all technology. It's all simple. And it's all really, really, really quite smart. 
Well, here's the thing. Uber have decided that they are going to invest in the region of a billion rand in a little company, a little e-scooter company um, called Lime. Now, Lime have been going for a little while in the U.S., and um, they've been trying to scale up, and this is the way they're going to do it. But you can now use the Uber app in San Francisco and other cities in the U.S. to hire yourself a little scooter. So you walk up to a scooter rack, you'll book yourself a You'll use the app to unlock a scooter, and you'll hop on, and it'll take you around the town. Now, there has been a huge backlash. I mean, there were some instances where where San Francisco residents were were trashing scooters. They were throwing stuff on it. I won't mention what sort of stuff, but it wasn't very it wasn't very nice smelling stuff. They were chucking these scooters in in the road. They were throwing them in trees because it's actually become quite dangerous to be on the sidewalk. Can you imagine if you've got a couple of hundred scooters whizzing up and down the sidewalk? Um, But San Francisco have responded by trying to get them into the bike lanes. Now, the bikers are not so happy. There's always a bit of disruption whenever something like this happens. But honestly, it makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, you can use public transport. You can use the Uber to get close to certain urban areas. And then it just makes a lot of sense to hop on a little motorized scooter or motorized bike. And there are lots of them out there. And whiz off to your next appointment, meeting, whatever it is that you want to do. And the indication are that with the Uber tie-up, and this was part of their sort of press release, and, and the speculation really is that they're going to roll this out rapidly around the world. You're going to see scooters in places like Europe, in London, in the East, and no less in Africa and South Africa, because in South Africa, we do have a much more spread out urban density than you see in the major cities around the world. So we're going to see a lot of growth in the alternative transportation needs. And Uber really wants to become that one-stop transportation hub that you can get up in the morning, you don't need a car, a lot of young millennials, a lot of people are actually deciding, certainly in the major cities where there's good infrastructure, there's the combination of Uber and public transport, and even good railway, like in England, even though there's a lot of talk about the congestion and the delays on the on the multi-city railways in England. But despite all these issues, if you've got a fully integrated plan with this last mile type of stop-and-go on-demand whenever you need a transport options, it certainly changes the way that we move, changes the way that you work. And can you imagine a time where you really don't have to worry about having a garage for your car, you don't have to worry about paying it off over five years, you don't have to worry about insurance, you have transportation at the tip of your fingers or the tip of your your your, your phone, anywhere you are at any time. And this is certainly a vision that Uber are looking to enhance by giving you even that last little mile they drop you at the shopping center near your house because that's a hub it makes sense and you just hire a little bike and you run around with that so watch out the pavements are certainly not going to uh, be safe for much longer as all these scooters come online and hopefully some of those wonderful um, taxi fast tracks which are actually bicycle lanes in Santon will be used for their proper purpose bikes and and single transport systems like little scooters so let's hope we move towards that really rapidly because quite honestly congestion in cities is becoming an absolutely huge problem and in many ways uber's actually contributed to that which is a pity but what can you do we keep moving and technology keeps going now i'm sure you've seen that um Absa have decided to change their logo. Well, very simple backstory to this. If um, Barclays Africa or the Barclays Group, for many, many reasons, 
not talking politics, not talking business. But for many reasons, they decided to divest from Africa. And the holding company of ABSA was Barclays. Now, what they've done is they've renamed the whole Barclays Africa and ABSA group to ABSA Limited. And at the same time, took the opportunity for good, for bad. People moan, people groan. Why spend the money? Spend it on improved service, whatever. But they've completely redone their logo. And you can see the new sort of stamp of ABSA everywhere right now. I mean, it's going to cost them a ton of money. I remember when Standard Bank did it, the same things happened. Everyone complained, why would they waste their money on such a thing? But I think it's important. A logo sets the tone for the company. It allows them to reinvent themselves. And they've done exactly that. But here's where the um, the tech comes in. Across the world, the last year or so, um, Intel have come up with the most amazing drone fireworks system, whereby they've got a ton of little drones using LED lights, and they can fly them up in coordination, up to 300 drones. And that's exactly what ABSA did last night. They used 300 drones to create a light show over Johannesburg. I didn't see it, unfortunately. I was a little bit too far away. But those that did said it was absolutely remarkable. And these 300 drones all flew up in the sky shuffled around, created like a little bit of a dance, and that all coalesced into a bright red ABSA logo down the road. And all of it created on computers running Intel with Intel technology in the drones. Can you imagine the amount of tech needed to coordinate 300 little flying objects with all the – luckily it wasn't terribly windy last night, but they did it at the Olympics. They've now done it to – to sort of highlight the rebranding of ABSA. I think it's just super, super cool use of technology. And it's all, and the amount of processing power, the amount of technology that goes on behind the scenes to keep 300 drones absolutely perfectly synchronized flying in the air above Johannesburg or anywhere else in the world. I mean, it's just a remarkable feat. And I think it's just a brilliant show of how technology can work to create experiences that are just beyond anything i've i've seen one at the 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 world mobile congress at the world mobile congress at uh, ces in las vegas at the beginning of this year where they had even a few more drones than that also showing off in the sky and it's just the most awe-inspiring sight to see all these things fly up shuffle around create a little dance and then finally coalesce into some form of logo or some sort of image using little flying drones up in the air so on that on that note we're going to take another quick break for our sponsors and then i'll be back with a really interesting story um and a couple of more hints and tips unfortunately no guests today slow slow time for technology but we'll be back with some smart guests next week got some really cool people that i'm talking to and we'll be back straight after this Hi FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Anyway, so now moving on to our little topic of discussion today about Tech Talk Cafe. And I mentioned last week a really interesting fact. A company called Terraco are spending over a billion rand or around about a billion rand on enhancing their um, data center right here in Jet Park, right near the airport. And they already are one of the biggest data centers in Africa. And when they finish with this little extension, they are going to be absolutely the biggest data center in Africa. And the reason this is big news, you and I might not even notice it's happening. I mean, who cares about massive data centers? It's just a 
an evolution of life. But if you think about it, that every 300 phones, I'm trying to remember the stat exactly, but for every 300 phones, they need another server in a data center somewhere because of all the apps, because of all the stuff that they need. So when you've got somewhere in the region of 40, 50% of the phones in South Africa being uh, smartphones, smartphones use data, smartphones have apps, smartphones use services, and those services need to be as near to you as possibly, as, as is humanly possible, in order to give you the best service. And that definitely, definitely is very important when you start talking about voice services, so Siri or Google Now or any one of the Alexa, any one of the voice assistants or any voice interactive type application that you may want to use. So Maps has got voice now really doesn't work extremely well. I mean, Waze, it's much easier just to type address and then speak it. It always gets it wrong. It's just crazy. And the reason that is that happens is that you and I, when we speak, we tend to accept a little bit of delays, a little bit of ums, a little bit of ahs. But what you can't have in any form of natural interaction is long delays between asking something and getting an answer back. Because then you tend to speak over what's going on or you ask again, or you, you know, just it becomes a very unnatural interaction. It's actually quicker than to simply use a keyboard. So, what we are looking for, and interestingly, Nokia, which are one of the biggest um, Nokia Alcatel or Nokia Siemens or Nokia Motorola, they 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 the guys ultimately who have consolidated a ton of the infrastructure players in the communications space and not only mobile, but certainly in the whole infrastructure of communications and telecommunications space. They just put out a release today talking about the benefits of the cloud and shared data center services within the African context. And they highlighted a couple of really, really interesting points because data centers really need to underpin all these changes, all these amazing technological advances that we sort of take totally for granted. I mean, who even worries about, you pick up your phone, you start playing on Facebook, you have a look at all the pictures, you see what's going on, um, and then you put the phone down. You don't give a second thought to where all that data is hosted or what Facebook are actually doing in order to make that service available to round about two billion people. I mean, the scale of that is absolutely awesome. I mean, 57 million people, million people reside in South Africa. Now, contrast that to the amount of people who reside in Facebook world. Two billion people are active on Facebook at any point in time. And all of them are connecting, uploading videos, chatting, sending up pictures, downloading pictures. Who knows what's going on? And all the stuff is happening somewhere. It's happening in data centers everywhere. And when you tap on a picture and you want to see it, or you want to tap on a video and it starts playing, the quicker that happens, the more natural and the better the interaction is. You've got a business. You use Salesforce uh, for your CRM, you know, your, your customer relationship management platform. You want to know what's going on. You want to record all your phone calls. You want to record every interaction you have with your customers. That's a cloud-based platform. That whole system sits on servers in data centers somewhere in the world. 
And if you want the best service, and there are a lot of legal things going on now which say that your data, if you're a South African company, your data has got to reside in South Africa. You need to protect the data in South Africa if your users give you information. And most business systems collect tons of different types of information and store that information securely. Liberty Life, let's not talk about them. Store that information securely. You send emails to companies you deal with, with copies of your ID, confidential information. All that stuff's got to be stored somewhere. It's got to be saved somewhere. Up to now, most of that's been happening with a server under the desk, with servers in the the data center underground or somewhere in the building of these big corporations. But more and more, we're moving to a world, certainly globally, where all these things are residing in hyperscale or massive massive data centers, data centers that are so big that they need special power supplies, special air conditioning. They place them. I mean, Google's placing data centers in Norway in cool places so that they can cool them down. In fact, these data centers are so big that companies like Intel specifically manufacture processes just for data centers to their spec. Um, Facebook are making computers to their own spec. They're actually sourcing and manufacturing their own computers because, you know, they can do a better, not a better, but a more specific job to their needs. So the growth of the cloud in Africa is an absolutely critical feature of technology going forward. And data centers such as Terraco, such as the new Microsoft data centers that are growing, and I think that's in no, no announcements been made yet, uh, who their provider is, though I have my um, I have my suspicions as a company called Liquid Telecom in Cape Town and Joburg. With all these companies bringing these data centers into Africa, into South Africa, and I mean they are placing them in places like Kenya, in North Africa, all over Africa. Um, it makes a huge difference to the accessibility and the availability of all these services. Not only the internet, not only things as easy to use as Siri long time before our dear friends at Apple open a data center in in Africa. Who knows? We might see something, but right now it seems a bit distant. But Google are definitely looking at opening data centers. And you'll watch the ability of the Google Assistant, the Google Now. So when you say, hey, Google, or whatever it is that you say to your phone, the response will be instant because the the data center will be down the road, 20, 30, 50, 100 kilometers, maybe 1,000 kilometers away rather than 10 to 20,000 kilometers away as they are right now. And quite simply, it's easy to check. You simply do a speed test from your phone, download a little app called Speed Test, do a speed test to San Diego, and you'll find that there's a ping that's a round-trip delay of around about half a second, 430 to 500 milliseconds. And, I mean, that is a long delay in any conversation. So you send off a little request for information, takes half a second before the request comes back. It's not quite right. You ask again. By the time you've finished, you just lose interest and you move on. No voice assistant for you. You type in a query into Google. It just feels quicker and easier, and you don't get so irritated. The same thing goes for critical business uh, services. And, and, and a simple thing is opening an Excel spreadsheet. A lot of us now use Office 365, which is a cloud-based um, system, even though you download Excel or Word to your computer and it resides on your computer, a lot of the files are now stored in the cloud. So you don't need to have massive hard drives. All your files are stored elsewhere. Um, Right now, that's pretty much in Ireland or Europe. And it takes 
time you click on a file and if it's on your computer, it pops up instantly. But if it's not on your computer and it's sitting in a cloud drive somewhere, it takes quite a long time before that pops up. Well, in the last couple of months, as the Microsoft data centers have started to come on stream, people have mentioned to me and I've noticed that many, many times it seems instant. You seem to open a file from a cloud drive and it's really, really, really quick. And that's the difference. So the growth of the African cloud, the the growth of the edge of the Internet coming to Africa is critical to the growth of technology in South Africa. We're not going to be able to develop a truly powerful and ubiquitous Internet of Things. In other words, that's all your fridges and washing machines and all your business equipment connecting to the Internet really quickly and easily um, unless you've got all the processing power, all the data centers residing really close to where the action is happening. And that action is happening in Africa, and we need the data centers in Africa. So the good news is we are seeing massive, massive growth in that regard. We're starting to see more and more of these international companies bringing the cloud to Africa, and we're starting to see the growth of data centers. I mean, a company as big as Terraco or any company would not go and borrow a billion rand to expand its services, and that's just to build the new data center. There's still going to be many multiple million rands worth of servers because what they do is they don't host their own. They go to companies like Netflix and say, right, guys, uh, who's your distribution system? Who does the the video distribution for you? Uh, And um, interestingly, that's an absolute success of cloud in Africa. Netflix, all Netflix movies on the South African service are hosted locally. In fact, I would imagine, and I've been told that In fact, the entire catalog is replicated in South Africa. It sits on the server right here. So when you push play, it really streams extremely quickly. And for those of you that do try to use video services that come out of the U.S., you can attest to the fact that Netflix in South Africa is much smoother, much faster, and much higher quality because it's streaming from a local server rather than coming across the Atlantic cables, down the African cables to Cape Town, and then all the way up to the data center or to your TV directly, one way or the other. So I think we're going to see massive performance over the next couple of um, years. And the opportunity for businesses to grow services, to do stuff in Africa and in South Africa around the Internet, around having the access fast inexpensive access to massive data centers in the cloud. And I mean, never mind the rains on the plane, but the fact is having access to all of that is going to bring massive benefit to South African business. Certainly will improve the lives of just everybody who uses any form of internet service. Things will be faster. Things will be quicker. The quality will improve. And theoretically, because we're not using expensive international data all the time, the prices of data will drop. So it's it's really a, a virtuous cycle, and I hope to see more and more of this coming to Africa over the next little while. And I'm waiting for the big announcements. I do expect Google to announce something in Africa very shortly. They're dabbling a lot of stuff. They use Akamai, which is a distribution service. I mean, if you've seen some updates coming for Apple and Microsoft, they hosted locally through a, a content delivery service like Akamai. And more and more that is happening, and we're going to see more and more of it. So on that note, uh, I'm going to you know, end this discussion simply saying that cloud in Africa is an absolute thing. 
We are going to see more and more of it. I'm going to be speaking to a couple of people from the Terraco um, data center environment, try to get some more insight into what they're doing, who their players are. Also, the same thing goes for the guys at Liquid Telecom. And don't discount Telcom. They've got a huge database or infrastructure in data centers across the country. And um, more and more of these are going to be working together to try to bring more and more of the Internet away from the U.S. and Europe right here into our backyard. And that can only be a good thing for all of us going forward. So before we end Tech Talk Cafe, which uh, certainly is great fun, but not when you haven't got a guest to share all these exciting technological sort of advances with, I just wanted to highlight one or two more news items. And this is really interesting for all of you guys who may not be on DSTV Premium. But uh, DSTV announced that for the next 18 days, I think it is, yep, it's 18 days, um, they're going to open up Supersport to all their subscribers. So, mat- so no matter what um, what your your package is, starting on Friday the 13th, which is tomorrow, it's going to be a lucky day. Anyway, it is always a lucky day, 13th. It's never been bad news. But all Access Family Compact, Compact Plus subscribers will get all 13 Supersport channels. So it's 1 to 12 Supersport Blitz. Um, for free. No extra charge. They'll all be switched on and that will go from the 13th to the 31st of July. Excuse me, my, I think the, the glue in the studio. Is <laughs> Craig was really quick with it. He thought I was going to sneeze. Anyway, <laughs> I managed to avoid that. Um, but what is cool is that this Saturday and Sunday is the uh, Women's and Men's Wimbledon Finals. Sunday is the FIFA World Cup final. There's the Hungarian Formula One, all the Super Rugby playoffs, international preseason football tournaments, the Monaco and London Diamond League meets, the Tour de France. I mean, it's just, if you're a sports fan, the, this next month is just insane with the amount of stuff going on. Because remember, the whole of Europe and the Northern Hemisphere goes on holiday in August. So they're all getting this out of the way in July, and off you go. So there's tons and tons of, of really cool um, sport over the next couple of weeks. And certainly the Croatia-France final is going to be a hugely interesting um, World Cup game. I'm sure uh, there are a lot of people who now know where Croatia is and are going to be keen to watch this tiny little country's team which took out a whole host of of huge countries, top teams, uh, very effectively, I must add, and quite exciting the game yesterday. So if you are one of these, uh, one of the sort of DSTV non-premium customers, get ready. I think we're going to have a great 18 days of sport. And I think it's a cool, cool thing for Supersport to do. I'm sure it's going to help them in some ways and uh, certainly doesn't cost them a lot and brings them tons and tons of great goodwill. So keep your DSTV tuner tuned and uh, tune into all the sport over the next little while. And um, one last little bit of news before we you know, break for our um, sponsors again is that Microsoft. Microsoft have also announced something really interesting. And there's a lot of rumbling. For the last couple of years, the tablet industry has really slowed down tremendously. 
people seem to think their, their tablets are good enough. Sales have slowed. The whole buzz around tablets has faded. People are still using three, four-year-old tablets really well. But Microsoft introduced their Surface lineup of full Windows-based tablets a couple of years back. And they've been getting better and better and better. I've used quite a few. I would love to own one. I'll tell you why I don't in a minute. But they've introduced a 10-inch Go tablet to the range. There's been a rumor about this. Now, Apple released their latest um, tablet for three ninety nine for and even a little cheaper if you're an education you know, type user. And it, they, they pretty much own it. The iPad pretty much controls the entire tablet industry. But Microsoft have always had high-priced, which compete with the iPad Pros, high-priced full Windows 10 Surface devices with really cool keyboards that clip on, lovely little flip stand. It's actually a great little computer. Um, And I've played with them many, many times overseas. And the reason I haven't bought one is simply that they are not released in South Africa. We keep asking Microsoft when they're going to release the Surface range in South Africa. And they keep saying, well, when the... You know, they'll get to it, but there's whole infrastructure. They're not in the business of supplying hardware in South Africa. But I hope it comes really soon. But a lot of people do buy them overseas, and this is going to be the cheapest one. It's a 10-inch with a really decent display, um, very light. They've managed to keep the battery life just under 10 hours, and it comes with a great keyboard, the Microsoft keyboard. It's, it's, uh, you can use the Microsoft Pencil or Pen along with it. Uh, it's the Apple Pencil and Microsoft Pen. Um, and it's got all the, 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 the bits and pieces you would need. And here's the interesting thing. It will, at the current exchange rate, retail for 5,350 Rand, give or take, which is really incredible value. Obviously, you've got to add uh, a keyboard to the price. If you want to use the pen, you've got to add that to the price. But overall, well, well, well below 10,000 Rand, you get a really full Windows-capable touchscreen tablet. And... Um, I'm going to push to find out when we can get one here in South Africa, number one, to review, and number two, find out when Microsoft are doing it. So if you're looking for a really, really good full Windows tablet with, you know, full laptop capabilities, the new Surface Go may just be the thing that you're looking for. And we'll be back straight after this. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Now, moving on to my uh, fun of the day, and this is something that I absolutely love doing. I'm just super fortunate. I get sent a whole ton of little bits and pieces to play with and little gadgets and gizmos to to try. And I try to sift through and find the sort of winners and some of the top stuff. And mostly, and, and a lot of people have actually said to me that sometimes I sound a bit like an advert for the various companies. The truth is that, number one, I do tend to try to only you know, get some of the better quality brands and I pick what I review because having limited time and I've got to pay the bills, you need to, you know, do some work in between playing with all the gadgets. But the simple thing is that today the level of quality and technology is absolutely unbelievable. And the D, you know, so it's hard to buy a true, truly bad piece of tech. Certainly that applies in um, smartphones. I mean, there are a couple of duds out there, but Generally, they all run very similar operating systems. They all have very similar technology built in. The processes are made by one or two or three different companies in the world. So it's really hard to get an absolutely terrible piece of equipment. It comes down to a lot of other things like service, support, spares availability, you know, how well 
you know, how well the, the device is put together. But today, and for the last week or so, I've been playing with a pair of Beats Studio 3 wireless headphones. Now, the Studio range is one of the first ranges that Beats by Dr. Dre, as they were then known, and they're still known as Beats by Dr. Dre uh, on their website. But the Beats headphones have long been sort of the, the headphone for the cool set. You can see all the athletes and, and rock stars and you name them with them draped around their neck like little sort of accessories. And um, they just built a great reputation for solid, high-quality headphones with really, really good features. Well, they've just released their latest, latest uh, version, the new. There seems to be a little bit of a technical noise coming through the microphone. I think one of the wires have got loose somewhere along the line. Not sure where, but uh, Craig, our Ah, there we go. He's found it. Our intrepid tech guy will uh, figure that one out. But anyway, back to the Beat Studio 3. <clears throat> They're a full Bluetooth wireless headphone. They've certainly uh, built on their success over the years of, of a solid, simple, clean, and high-quality uh, set of headsets. And who hasn't owned a pair of Beats? In fact, for a while they... they for the honor of being the most copied headphones in the world. But the new ones are really, really, really cool looking. Not much has changed in the look, except they've upped, I think, the, the quality of the plastic. The finish is certainly slightly better. And here's an interesting fact. Beats Audio was bought by Apple uh, a couple of years ago. And although they've kept the company completely separate and distinct, you can see that the Apple influence is coming through. The quality of the finish has improved. The little attention to detail has improved. So overall, it's a really fine, good-looking, well-made set of headsets. And it includes something that is pretty Apple-specific. It's got their new W1 Bluetooth chip, which improves the connectivity to various devices, notably and mainly Apple devices. So, for example, if you want to pair these with an Apple device, iPad, iPhone, laptop, you name it. All you do is you switch it on until the, the little LEDs underneath flash, and um, you pick up your phone. Open, you don't even just unlock it, and up pops a picture of the Beats headphones and says pair or connect. You touch the connect button, done. Dusted, simple, easy, and you turn them on. If your phone's nearby, it automatically connects. No fuss, no mess. It's just really slick. What it also does is gives enhanced Bluetooth connectivity, so you get a higher bitrate, you get better sound quality, and um, what, if you're using an Apple device with these Beats Studio 3s, you can actually turn the sound cancelling off through the Bluetooth menu, and that doubles the battery life, which is really cool. And if you're in a quiet environment, you may not want the sound cancelling, uh, and it's, it's a great way. It doesn't affect the sound. It, it actually works extremely well. The only drawback, well, there are two issues that I have with these headphones. First and foremost, trying to pair them with non-Apple gear can be a little bit of a challenge. I've connected them to any number of Android devices, and it's a bit hit and miss. You use normal Bluetooth pairing, you search for it, it tries to find it, it does not find it for about 50% of the times. You just have to persevere, but it's a hassle, it's slow, it's just an unnecessary thing in this day and age. But obviously, the Apple is strong within this device. And uh, as slick and seamless as it is with Apple equipment, it's not as slick and seamless with non-Apple equipment. It does come with a wired cable, which is cool. So in times when, like on a plane where you can't use Bluetooth, or rather you can't connect the, 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 the seat 
equipment using Bluetooth. You, there is a cable, and also using a cable with a phone that still has a three and a half millimeter jack. The sound quality is marginally better, but the processing and everything that goes on in the headset itself tends to keep things pretty even. The other thing that Beats have improved is the um, noise cancelling. It is definitely the best they've done. It's not in the league of the Bose and the um, the Bose QC35 and 25 uh, products. Bose certainly are the best when it comes to noise cancelling. And it's not as good as the Sony, which the new Sony um, heads, headphones, which I've played with quite recently, another story to that, um, are, are outstanding for their, their Bluetooth and um, for their um, ability to cut noise. So to wrap this all up, they're a great new device. They sell for just under 6,000 Rand. They're available pretty much everywhere. And if you're a Beats aficionado, they are great, great headphones. If you're looking for accuracy, sonic accuracy, and I didn't mention that, the sound is typical Beats. Big bass, clean sound, really exciting, probably the most engaging uh, and exciting headphones that I've used. Music sounds cool. It sounds like fun, but it's not accurate. It's bass heavy. It's thumpy. It's great with electronic music. Not so great with jazz and classical or acoustic music. But overall, the Studio 3s are a decent, really well-made pair of headphones. They're premium. They cost a lot of money. But if you're looking for the best in sound quality and accuracy and noise cancelling, then I would say look at the Bose or perhaps the Sonys as an alternative. But if you like the style, you like the quality, and you like the sound signature of the Beats, then these are a great device, well made. They should last quite a long while. On that note, we'll be back with my apps of the week in two minutes, straight after this. Hi FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, welcome back. And now, just before we have to wrap up here, I have a really cool little app, which I think is worth trying. How would you like to communicate through Morse code on your Android or iOS phone? (laughs) So, dots and dashes to the fore. You can do it now. If you download Google's Gboard keyboard, now, the latest versions of Android Um, And the latest versions of iOS allow you to swap in any keyboard you want. And Google announced yesterday that they've released an update for the Gboard keyboard. You just look for it in the Play Store or on the uh, Apple App Store and download it. And what happens when you go into Morse code mode, up pops the dots and dashes. And as you type your dots and dashes, it suggests words that work for it. So you can spell out words in in Morse code. You can communicate with your friends in Morse code. I think it's pretty useless, but I think it's super, super, super cool. And Google has created a Morse typing trainer game game that says, so if you, you can pick it up through the app, and you can play it. I've downloaded it. I've sent people a couple of SOSs in Morse code. It's just really, really, really cool. And it's just a, a fun use of technology. So if you're keen, download the Google. It's called the Gboard keyboard with a big G. So download the Gboard keyboard, uh, switch it into Morse code mode, and then practice your Morse code with your mates. And it's really very accurate, I must say. It's incredibly clever. You just tap away dots and dashes, and it suggests words to you. And uh, as you get better and better at it, it actually gets pretty slick. So communicate in Morse code. Go back to the 
days of the dots and the dashes using your smartphone. Really, really clever and cool use of technology. Now, the other app, which is more of an update, even though this was an update, but it's not something that a lot of people have on their phones. I must say that I find using alternative keyboards on my iPhone certainly make a huge difference. I use Grammarly, which gives me a much better handle on my lack of sentence structure. But um, I also find that Gboard with its, its built-in search and it's, it's, it's really slick and fast is cool. And adding Morse code to that certainly adds another dimension of fun and interest along with all the emojis and whatnot. So who needs words anymore? You can send 14 emojis and a little bit of Morse code and off you go. It's good fun. Let's see how people react to that one. But the other app that is real, well worth downloading, especially if you're traveling, is the Netflix app. So if you're subscribed to Netflix, and even if you're not, it's worth a try. Um, Netflix apps, Netflix app on iPad, on uh, any Android tablet, on your iPhone, or your any phone that, it, for that matter, has just got a lot, lot smarter. Smarter. A lot of people have got 16, 32, even 64 gig uh, devices. Fairly low memory. And you download a couple of videos, and before you know it, you've got no more room on your phone or your tablet. It's a real pain. And then you've got to remember that you downloaded a whole host of movies last month. Well, the new Netflix app, and all you have to do is go download it, um, install it, and what happens, it automatically deletes the episode after you've watched it. You can switch that off if you want. For some reason, you want to watch the same show 15 times in a row. But the smart downloads will automatically delete the one that you're watching. If you're connected to the internet, it'll start downloading the next episode so that you can binge watch. Craig's waving at me that it's time to say goodbye, but I'm going to talk tech, I think, till one o'clock today. What do you say, Craig? No, not going to happen. Anyway, so download the Netflix app, install it, and just leave all the settings as standard. You can check, you can switch them off if you want, but it'll automatically delete something you've watched. It'll start downloading the next episode to allow you to binge watch. And I think it's just clever and it's smart how um, how much you need. It'll also start calculating automatically how much data you have or how much space you have and will only activate when you're using a Wi-Fi connection. So it's really smart and really clever. And I think it's just a great way for them to optimize your experience on your iPad and on that, or, or your tablet, whatever it is that you're downloading your Netflix onto. And on that note, I'm afraid I have to call it quits for today. I've got some really cool stuff coming up next week, so stay tuned. Tune back in 11 to 12 on Thursdays on High FM for all the latest technology news, gizmos, and gadgets. This is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk.